Good morning. I've enjoyed teaching godly play with children over the last few years, and the story of Abraham and Sarah has really caught my imagination, particularly how it is taught in godly play. So I wanted to share a little bit of that with you this morning. The desert is a dangerous place. It's always moving because the wind is blowing and the sand is shifting, so you don't There's little water, so it's easy to get thirsty and even to die. And very few things grow in the desert, so it's hard to find food. In the daytime, it's hot, and the sun scorches your skin. And at night, it's very cold. People have to wear a lot of layers of clothes to protect themselves from the sun and blowing sand. The desert is a dangerous place. People don't go into the desert unless they have to. In the city of Ur, where our friends Abraham and Sarah were living, people believed that there was many gods. They thought there was a god in the flowers, and a god in the tree, and a god in the stars, and a god in the ocean, and a god in the mountain. They thought the world was alive with gods. But there was one family who believed that there was one God and that all of that God was in every place. They did not know this yet by experience, but they believed it. Abraham and Sarah were in that family. And when it came time for them to move out and follow God's call into the desert, they wondered, would all of God be everywhere? Would God go ahead of them into the desert? This is both Abraham and Sarah's story, and I wonder today how it's part of our story and part of my story, and how God is calling us into new places. Now, there's been two significant times in my life that God called myself and my husband Clint to a new land, a new place, a new country. And about 11 years ago, we packed up everything to follow God's call to Oregon. And we didn't hear God saying, I will make your name great. (laughs) But we did have a sense that there was a blessing for our family in this new place, this new country. And then that blessing wasn't just for our family, but that God wanted to do something through us to bless the world. But what I discovered in Oregon was that, although it was a new country for me, that there was a lot more than just a geographical place to call new. It was actually a whole new place in my heart and in my soul and in my mind. And what God wanted to do in me and through me was a lot bigger than a new geographical location. And then two years ago, God called our family to make the journey back to Kentucky, where we, where we were living previously, to an old place, but a new season. And as I've come back to Kentucky over these two years, I've realized that it is a new land and a new country, but that God has had so many new things to do in my life. And I wonder that God is always in the work of calling us to a new country, 
And sometimes that new country is geographical. It's the land, it's the place, it's the location on the map. But most of the time, I think the new country that God is calling us to is uncharted territory in our own hearts. New ways to be in the world. And sometimes that new place that God is calling us to looks really beautiful and enticing. It looks like it's full of life and water and food and goodness. And then sometimes it looks a little dangerous or a lot dangerous. And it looks more like a desert. And sometimes it's a combination of both. So I've been pondering about new things and new lands, whether it's a new job, a new baby, like for Clint and I, we're expecting, a new way to live life without old habits, a new way to think and act about my neighbor in the big sense and in the very local sense. How do we live with a new identity, understanding ourselves more deeply as the beloved child of God? How do we think about privilege in new ways? How do we think about the issues in our world in a new way that is dangerous in some ways to engage? Henry Nouwen talks about it like this. You have an idea of the new country. Still, you're very much at home, although not truly at peace in the old country. You know the way of the old country, its joys and pains, its happy and sad moments. You've spent most of your days there. Even though you know that you have not found there what your heart most desires, you remain quite attached to it. It's become part of you in your very bones. Now you've come to realize that you must leave it to go where your beloved dwells in the new country. You know that what helped and guided you in the old country no longer works. But what else do you have to go by? You're being asked to trust that you will find what you need in the new country. And that requires death of what has become so precious to you. Influence, success, yes, even affection and praise. But the only way to go deeper in the spiritual journey is to enter the new country that God is preparing. So I've been pondering, and I wonder if you will ponder, what does the new country look like to you? Because I do believe that God is always moving, always at work, always calling us to a new place and a deeper place with him. To a new place and a deeper place with ourselves, with our families, with our churches, our communities. That the work of God is never stagnant and the work of God in my life and your life is never done and never complete. And that God is always, always inviting us into something new. So from this story, I've been thinking a bit about calling and here's four things I've been thinking about along these lines of the story. First of all, God's calling is always for the world and not just ourselves. No matter how big or small that calling is, even if it's about moving into forgiveness with a family member, it's always about the world. Remember when Abraham and Sarah are called, they're called to be a, a blessing, to receive blessing, and so that they can be a blessing for the world. In Galatians 3.29, we learn that if we're that if we belong to Christ, then we're part of Abraham's family. And we're heirs to this promise to be a blessing to the world. Whatever God is calling us to in new country in our lives, it's not ever just about us. 
It's always about the way God wants to bless the world. Secondly, God's calling is about family. Sketched against this backdrop of a bloody and violent world is where Abraham and Sarah find themselves, a world that is divided by religion and ethnicity and socioeconomic status, a world that is violently opposing each other on things like race and religion. Sound familiar? And it's in the backdrop to this bloody and violent world that God's promise is released through Abraham and Sarah. And like Jessica Legrone tells us in her book, Broken and Blessed, God's big idea in this situation is to start a family. God's big idea in this situation is a baby. But it's this baby that will become the family of God and the people of God. And when Jesus shows up, Jesus says, I'm going to redefine what family is. And it's no longer who your daddy was or who your mommy is. But it's about the DNA of your heart. So calling is always in the context of the family of God. There's no Lone Ranger Christ followers. And whenever we're called to new country, not only is it about being a blessing for the world, but it's also about being part of the family of God. Three, even when we sabotage our calling, God keeps moving on it. Abraham and Sarah did a lot of things to sabotage their calling. But nevertheless, God continued to move forward with his strategic plan, doing all kinds of things to help Abraham and Sarah realign themselves with that plan. And thanks be to God, he does that in our lives. And four, the call of God is not age-specific. Abraham and Sarah were called late in life, just learning from a theologian and friend, Irv Brenlinger, about John Wesley who, and his pivotal role, I don't know about John Wesley, but his pivotal role in ending the slave movement in, in Britain and how his voice was utilized for that and that he began his anti-slavery campaign at age 67. And it was significant and they're bringing about the end of slavery. So, God's call is not specific to an age. God is doing new things in our life throughout the lifespan. So Abraham and Sarah did what God said. They went out into the dangerous desert, and they walked to the west of Haran, and they walked towards Canaan. There was no river to show them the way or easily give them water to drink. Finally, they came to a place called Shechem, and Abraham climbed up on a hill and prayed to God, and God was there. So Abraham built an altar to mark the spot. And next, they came to the place called Bethel. And Abraham went out and built an altar, and God came close, and God was there. And Abraham built an altar to mark the spot. Everywhere that Abraham and Sarah went, God was there. All of God was everywhere. Sometimes I ask my students to envision a bridge in their minds going from the old country to the new country. And what kind of courage do they need to move into the new thing that God is calling them to? And how is God walking with them across this bridge? And I think when we get quiet deeply, when we're pondering the new thing that God wants to do in our life, 
one of the deepest questions is, will God be there? Can we trust that God has gone ahead of us into the desert or into the fertile valley or into the new country, whatever it may be, and is God there as well? And again and again, we see all of God is everywhere. So Holy Spirit in this room represents lots of new countries and bridges from old countries and new ways to think and believe and be in the world, new identities to take on, fresh starts, deeper journeys, more commitment, release of, of identity, release of things we're holding on to. And frankly, sometimes it appears like a desert, and sometimes it appears beautiful, and sometimes it's a mix. But we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us great peace as we walk forward into the new country. And we pray this for our world, as our world is so in desperate need of new country, that we would trust that all of you is everywhere, that your work around the globe, all of you is everywhere. There's no place forsaken by you. Trust, uh, help us to trust you, that you are ahead of us and there. In your name, amen.